So I'd like to talk about the three central groups of characters or character here. I'd like to talk about the man who is born blind. I would like to talk about the parents of the man who is born blind. And then I'd like to talk about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Um, and how Jesus affects all three of these groups in different ways. We read in the Gospel of Luke from the prophet Simeon that Jesus, he's, he prophesies as he holds the, the child, he says this child's going to be a sign that will be contradicted. And this is a perfect example of what Simeon was talking about in this story. We see how the person of Jesus comes into this broken and fallen world and he interacts with people and people are affected in very different ways by Jesus. They have different kinds of encounters with Jesus. And this is the exact same way it is today. Okay, so this story is just how it is right now. So first, the man born blind. Maybe all of us have examples, or we could think of somebody in our own experience who went from living a very secular, non-religious, and maybe in hindsight, as, they, as they've grown in belief and faith and moral, morals and virtues and started to follow God, maybe lived like a very immoral lifestyle and then had a conversion started following Jesus intentionally, tried to start to live by the precepts of the law that God has given us and follow God himself and teachings of the church. And there is a very stark difference between the person before and after. I can think of just very two quick examples myself. Um, One would be myself. Um, Another would be uh, a young man I know. For myself, um, when I was in college, I was living a very college-like lifestyle for my first couple years. I had a bit of a conversion, so to speak. I was always Catholic, but I really started to seriously, as an adult, follow Jesus. I said, you know what, this is true, I believe. And I made a concerted effort to try to change my life in a way that would follow Jesus intentionally. And what happened is, any t- I, I was kind of depressed before that. For those first two years of college, there was a, kind of like a heaviness. There was a sadness. There was a bit of an isolation that was... There was many, many things that just completely changed. Just... Just by following Jesus, I started to become the person that I was actually called to be. And people talked to me and, and, and interacted with me in a different way after than they did before. And this, of course, should make sense. Jesus comes into the world to restore that which was broken. I often talk about the four primary relationships which were which were divorced at original sin. Our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with others, our relationship with God, and our relationship with the rest of creation. Jesus comes and restores all those. 
there's uh, another young man I know who was just kind of a, a classic scenario of what we might say is like a lost generation of our times. Um, hyper-focused on video games as a young adult in early 20s, um, kind of depressive personality, maybe mild drug use, uh, and just living this kind of, this state of not really going very very far, kind of like we have this, this image in society now of you live with your parents till you're, you know, there's a whole group, a segment of the population that lives with their parents until they're like 30, 35, and it's, and it's just like, it's like a lost generation, so to speak, and so this young man was kind of on that trajectory, I would say, and fit some of those stereotypes, and one day, um, as he was starting to explore his faith a little bit more, he had this encounter with the Eucharist, where he received the Eucharist, and in an instant, he, he said it felt like, like 40 minutes or something, but it was just a few seconds, he just had this very stark recognition that Jesus is in the Eucharist. And everything just kind of came together, almost like the, the blind man. The guy was blind, and then now he sees everything. And that's how it was for this young man. Completely transformed his life. He's a, he's a completely different person. Strong, good, self-sacrificing leader now. In, in, in his particular vocation. So, to encounter Jesus is to have, is to have the, the, the appearance of someone else because they don't recognize him afterwards. And, and that's because we look completely different after we encounter Jesus and we start following Jesus. Very beautiful. The man comes to the slow recognition that eventually... This is Jesus, and so he worships him at the end. It's just kind of this slow, beautiful enlightenment. Um, secondly, his parents. His parents, you could interpret the parents in, in a number of different ways. I see, personally, this is my take on the parents, I see them almost like a Pontius pilot type character, which I do not have much sympathy for, personally. And you could say, you know, well, they would have got kicked out of the synagogue and they would have been basically ostracized in society. So that would be like all of their family, maybe, um, their whole social circle, their religious life, they would have been taken out of that. And, and, that's, and, and that's what they were facing when they were facing this interrogation. And they weren't really willing to do that. They kind of wanted to play the politician's part. Interestingly... I was at a mass where a former governor of Illinois was at. This was in my early 20s. And this was the gospel. And the priest, I think, knew that this governor was in the church. This is in Chicago. And this governor claimed to be Catholic. He was very, very uh, pro-abortion. He was explicitly against church teachings in many, many aspects. And this priest gave a railing homily against politicians who say one, and he used the parents as the example, who say one thing and do another or try to stay out of things 
for their own improvement and mobilization in society. He saw the parents as, as kind of an example of this. So the parents are just kind of trying to stay out of the controversy. Their son, who they raised, you can imagine the parents, you can imagine all the hours that you would spend helping your child survive in a society that is not accommodating to those without vision. All the sacrifices you would make. The immense amount of joy that you would feel. when The fact that, wow, my son sees now. I mean, that would be the greatest gift that you had ever received up until that point in your lives as parents. Is for your son to have received his vision after being born blind. But the parents kind of take a step back. They're lukewarm. They don't want to really accept what's happened in a public way and proclaim what they just saw, the most amazing thing that they had ever witnessed. They don't want to witness to Jesus because they are afraid and they live in fear. They live in fear of the ramifications of their belief. It's a good takeaway for all of us. We do not want to live by fear. We do not want to indulge in fear. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and everything else will be given to you. And finally, we get the, the authorities. Um, and we might be tempted here to say, how in the world, this is not, this, you know, we, we might even be tempted to say, like, this is not something that would ever happen. If you saw a miracle ex- happen, you investigated it just like they did, and you knew for a fact you saw with your own eyes that this, this person who was born blind received their vision or some other miracle, that there's no way that you would not believe in Jesus. However, if we understand human nature, we should understand that this is, this is a very true experience. Just as a starting point for understanding this, how many of us in this church right now have known when our spouse, our friend, um, a person at work, we're having a little argument with them, and we defend our points and we dig our heels in when we know at a certain point we are wrong. We recognize it, but our egos do not let us surrender. We, we hold on to our position. We will, it is very difficult to make that submission of will to the truth. I think we've all had that experience. And what happens over time is if we continue to uphold the ego as kind of the ultimate authority, and we don't want to be wrong, we want to be our ultimate authority, That's the issue with these guys. They don't want to surrender to Jesus in obedience. They want to be their own gods. They don't, it's not, it's not that they don't see the truth for what it is. It's it's that they don't want to accept it because of the ramifications. And this is very often why people do not believe and practice their faith. It's one of the main reasons. If I actually, it's not because people don't believe. To believe in the existence of God, to believe in the claims of, that, of, of Jesus, the person of Jesus, the, the historical person of Jesus, 
it's not absurd. And, and, and it's, it's very, very, it doesn't go against reason. It's, in fact, obviously, as far as I'm concerned, all of the evidence points to the truth of this. The deeper you dive, the more you see that this stuff really happened. This person was who he claimed to be. People know this intuitively, very often. The words of Jesus just kind of resonate. But with our ego, we do not want to surrender. We don't want to live and change our lives and have conversion. We're resistant to that. And so, very often, and this happens to us not just as a whole of following Jesus or not following Jesus, it has to do with the things that we don't want to do that the church tells us we should be doing. We do not want to surrender those things very often. And they prick our conscience and we kind of ignore them. And we try to just kind of forget about that particular one. But the fact of the matter is we know. God has made it apparent. um, And to let go of that control and surrender to Jesus takes faith. But it is quite liberating and beautiful as, as the man born blind himself recognizes. Lord, we ask you to help us to be like the man who is cured here, who has an encounter with you. Help us to humbly follow you. Um, help decrease and deflate um, our ego. Help us to see you as the, the center of our existence, to be humble, to see things as they actually are. We ask this all through Christ our Lord. Amen. And let's take a few moments in silent prayer just to listen to and speak with the Lord in our hearts.